Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. Man, um, let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. I'm going to try to um, preach quick. Some of you going out to eat. I think my boys have got me some barbecue viennese on the grill. And um, how many knows that I, I remember reading this in a book one time that it said the word diaper, if you spell it backward, means backward, backwards. I have to be careful of that country slang, you know. If you spell it backwards, it means uh, repaid. So you take diaper and spell it backwards, it means repaid. So um, happy Father's Day. Um, uh, Dusty sent out something this morning. It's actually a great quote. I'll share it with you. Uh, guys, my mic sounds like a little bit too much treble or something, and it just sounds kind of weird if you can try to adjust that. Um, he says, uh, being a great father is like shaving. No matter how good you shave today, you have to do it again tomorrow. So how many knows this about uh, being intentional and um, with that? So if you'll find me some deputy keys, whoever's back there running that um uh, computer, that'll be great. That'll help me out. And you go to John chapter one. I'm actually going to share something that I've been at for a while. I've been kind of um, hesitant really to share some of this uh, publicly, but I've been in this uh, for some time. And I remember maybe, maybe a year and a half ago, I was, um, I was listening to someone uh, on a podcast, and he, he re- I used to listen to a lot of podcasts. I've just, I just hadn't listened to very many uh, lately. And um, but someone, I got, I got a friend up in Alabama that sends me some stuff from time to time, and he sent me this message on YouTube um, by uh, Jesse Duplantis. And it's Jesse Duplantis sharing publicly. This was posted about three weeks ago, I think. And there was many things on here that he said that he has never shared publicly, nor did he share them in the book. But it's his encounter that he had with the Lord in 1988 when he was taken uh, to heaven. And um, it's just only like Jesse can do the way he communicates. But um, just listening to him and his account of what he saw. um, And Jesse says he was not in a vision. He was there physically, and he talks about, if you listen to it, he talks about the transportation and which he got there was um, that he was traveling in this capsule-like thing, but the angel was traveling just by himself. I mean, he was outside the capsule, and Jesse said he believed that the capsule was there to protect him from it killing him, and um, he goes on and describe everything that he sees uh, there, and so... Uh, you know, you, I'm pretty sure you'll have uh, doubters and haters that say none of that's real or whatever, but he began to con- I, I just begin to connect a few dots of where I've been hanging out really for some time and just really trying to weigh it out in my own heart. Um, uh, you know, God, is this, is this really who you are? You know, is this really the way you are? And so there was things that D- Jesse described that uh, he had seen there and the way he talked about the father's interaction with the son is uh it just begin to connect the dots for me okay and so i want to talk today's father's day but i want to talk about our heavenly father okay i could preach some great man i got i got some some great notes and stuff that i could preach on men um but i, I just want to talk about if if i would title this this would be the father's um Man, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to talk about the Father's relentless pursuit of us, okay? You all right? So I want to go. I've actually introduced this out of John chapter 1, verse 38, a couple of weeks ago. But I want to start here. I want to go to the book of Ephesians. I want to go back to creation. And we'll just see where we get with this. I'll be very cognizant of the time and, and things like that because the things that I want to share, this is just going to be a... I mean, this is something that that I'm just going to hit it, but there's going to be a lot of stuff to mine out in the days ahead, okay? And so um, 
How many knows this, that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that knowledge puffs up. So God's not interested in giving us a bunch of knowledge and a bunch of information. Matter of fact, the information that you receive that does not leave you, lead you into an encounter will only leave you more religious. So the purpose of information, if you break it down, is information to form us on the inside, to lead us into, uh, to, to bring us into uh, maturity. Is anybody really cold? It's pretty chilly now. Y'all cold? Who's cold? Raise your hand. See, who, we're going to do a vote right here. It's the first time you're ever going to see a vote at Cornerstone. Who's cold? Who ain't cold? Raise your hands. Uh, majority won out. I'm sorry. Granny's team won. No, it is a little chilly, this first one right here. And I got a lot of insulation, so if I get cold, you know. I know some of these women is chilly. So, um, but don't cut it back. We, we don't want to sweat, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we're not trying to sweat it out here. John chapter 1, you there? Uh, let's travel in this. Let's just pray right quick. Father, we just thank you for the power of your word. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. And Father, I pray this morning that your word doesn't need any help, Father. Your word will stand for eternity. God, I'm the one that needs the help. Father, open our eyes. I'm asking you, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would unveil our eyes, you would uncap our ears, that we may hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us in this hour. Father, we know that you're good. We've said that for years. But lead us to the encounters of your goodness. Settle some things within us, Lord, where we've been unsettled, where, we, where we've not stood regal in areas of our own heart. Father, let us be settled in some places of your goodness. Father, expel all anxiety and fear from our lives this morning, for your perfect love drives and casts out all fear. And so, Lord, I pray today as we venture into this of the Father's pursuit of us, it's one thing to say we chase after you, but what I want to communicate to the people today is how you have been chasing after us before the foundations of the world. You settled it then before there was ever Adam in the garden, before there was ever the fall of man. You settled something in the heavens, and that is you wanted a relationship with your people. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Right, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation of the Bible. There's actually another translation um, that is along these lines um, that is a very good translation. I'll unveil that in the days ahead uh, where I've been looking at. But, but the Passion Translation, <clears throat> John, can you adjust this mic? I don't know what it is, man. It, it, it just doesn't sound right to me. It sounds like I'm extremely high or something. I don't know what it is. Not, not that I'm high. Uh, but that the mic sounds high. All right. So John chapter 1, verse 38. Y'all bear with us in the sound stuff because we've been changing out some things. And so, um, and the other day a squirrel jumped on the, um, we had a squirrel that grounded out one of the legs to the building. He got fried, by the way, in the name of the Lord. He went up as a burnt offering. And um, so it, it, Whatever it did, it caused a power surge. We lost every setting we had uh, in that digital board. And so it's just been a struggle over the last three weeks. But by the grace of God, we're going to get it. So look, look at this in John chapter. Um, let's look in verse 35. Let's just stay here. So if you have the Passion Translation, you will look. His, the footnotes that Brian Simmons gives you is, is far more worth its weight in gold in this book. In the Passion Translation. He said, the very next day, I'm in verse 35, John 1. The very next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. As Jesus was walking right past them, John gazing upon him, pointed to Jesus and said, Look, there's God's Lamb. And as soon as John's two disciples heard this, they immediately left John. Look at this. They immediately left John and began to follow a short distance behind Jesus. Then Jesus turned around and saw they were following him and asked, What do you want? They responded, Rabbi, which means master, teacher, where are you staying? Look at this. The New American Standards translation renders this. Then Jesus turned around to them that were following and asked, What do you seek? This is the first question that Jesus gives some people that desire to follow him. What is it that you seek? That, 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 would you not say that that begs the question today where you and I, what, what do we seek from God? What, what are we after? 
I mean, come on, what, what do you seek? Look at this. They responded, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus answered, come and discover for yourselves. I love that right there. I love to approach the Father like that because the Father is one that wants us to discover. And uh, he wants us in that place. So there was this statement I, about a year and a half ago. I'm actually going to a ball game, maybe a year ago now. I was actually on the way to the to the ball game, and I was listening to a message, a podcast, and I heard this word "paracaresia." What what is that? You know, I mean, I, I I heard that mentioned, and this guy was describing this great dance, if you will. There's actually a book called "Paracaresia: The Great Dance," and uh, it, which is where he got this terminology or this language from. And and I mean, he's totally broken. And I've known this guy for years. I've listened to him for years. And I've watched him go through uh, cycles or whatever. And I mean, he was this, I mean, this dynamic preacher. Not that he's not a dynamic preacher today, but he preaches a whole lot different today than he did back then. And he just, he cannot hardly communicate that he is weeping. He's broken at this place or whatever. And he's talking about this, this term paracresia. And in this term paracresia is he talks about the great dance. And the great dance is simply this. It is the father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so if you listen to Jesse in that, he talks about the interaction that the Son has with the Father of what he saw in heaven. And he, he, he described the things which he saw. He said that the Father, the heart, is actually the Father. The Son is the portion that we can touch of the Father. He is the flesh, if you will, of the Father. And the voice of God is the Holy Spirit in the earth. And the hands of God is the church on the earth. I love that, the way he described that. And so in this, John's disciples, John points Jesus out as the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. This is what the King James says. So as when John points him out, they leave John, begin to follow Jesus. Jesus looks at them and he asks them a question. What is it that you seek? In this question, what do you seek? Jesus is asking them, is it intimacy and relationship and union that you are after or are you just after me for loaves and fish? What are you after me for? And then they ask him, what we're really seeking is where do you stay? They're not asking Jesus where his physical address is. Do you live on Gordon Avenue? Do you live on 76 or 37? They're asking him, where do you stay? If you look at it in the Passion Translation, Brian Simmons takes you into some notes and he will tell you that this is the same word that is used in John 15, verse 4, where it talks about that we are the... We are the branches and He is divine. It's this divine union of connection is what He's saying. So Jesus is telling these disciples that I want you to come. I want you to come in relationship with me to, to discover for yourselves about this union that I am walking with possessing. Are you okay? We're trying to set this up. Now, Guys, this mic is still sounding like it's in a drum. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Look at this. Y'all all right? Ephesians chapter 1. Y'all know I can holler, but I'm trying to lay a foundation for this. Catherine says, I love it when you just teach. All right. So Ephesians chapter 1. Stay with me here. I've been after these verses of Scripture. Now think about this. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look in verse... Let's look in verse 3. He says, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. How does the Father see you this morning? Does the Father see you in your brokenness, in your jacked upness, or how does He see you? He sees us wrapped up in Christ. Y'all, that's good news. Are you with me now? So what I'm telling you, on this pursuit, every time God tries to show up to man, man always runs and hides. 
Adam ran and hid in the garden. Come on, Israel was open for the invitation to run into the cloud in Exodus 19, and they run and hide against God. So, so, so look at this. He says, how does he see us? He sees us wrapped up in, in, into Christ. Um, this is why we celebrate him with our, all of our hearts. Look at this. And he chose us to be his very own. Look at this. You did not choose the Father. He chose you. Someone says, you remember the day I, find, I found the Lord? You go find him. Come on, y'all. How many knows it was God in pursuit of us? That, that, and, and we used to hear this in the church that we want to get back to our first love. And we thought our first love was getting back to us loving God. But the first love is he first loved us. He first loved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Are you with me now? So it's getting back to the recognition or the revelation of the pursuit that he has of me, which is what causes my heart to turn and pursue him. Are you with me now? So it's that love that he has for us, the burning passion that he has for us. Because most people down here in the south believe when Adam messed up that God had to turn to plan B. God never had a plan B. He never had a plan C. He only had one plan from the very beginning. One plan. Now, Paul is letting us in on this where he sees us. Look at this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself. Even before he laid the foundation of the universe. What? Before you ever showed up, before Adam ever went into the garden, before anything was created, what did God have set and determined? Y'all with me? Come on now. What did God have said in the tournament? That he was going to join us. What? He was going to allow us, if you will, inside the perichoresia. He was going to allow me inside the great dance. Because the dance existed between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God determined before the foundations of the world that I was going to be invited into that dance. I don't know if it... I don't know. All right. He chose us to be his very own, joining us inside unto himself, even before he laid the foundations of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be, be seen as holies in his eyes with an unstained innocent. For it was always, look at this man, for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt. Now when we think of the word adoption, we think that, listen, if I, if, if we adopt, they, ter- they bear the name, they bear the name, but they don't bear the genes. Are you with me now? Just because I was a great football player and I adopt someone doesn't mean that he's going to carry the genes of athleticism I have, even though he bears the name. Are you with me now? This word adopt does not mean we're just going to bear his name. This means we bear him. Are you with me now? So it was always in the plan of the Father to what? Adopt. For us to go into adoption, y'all right? For it was always in the perfect plan to adopt us as delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that, this tremi- so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for the beloved one. Look at this. The same love that the Father and the Son has toward each other, Jesus has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. So this, this is a joyful thing that is happening this morning. When the Father allows us every day to come in His presence, it's not that He's putting up with us. Come on, somebody. As he, he's not saying, well, you know what? Because Jesus went to the cross, i got to allow Steve up in my living room. You with me now? No, He is actually waiting and anticipating the relationship and the, and the, and the exchange of friendship between us. Man, this is totally jacked up from what I grew up trying to learn. Because I grew up trying to learn how to earn my way in his presence. And I grew up trying when I made a mistake that I ran and hid like Adam until I could fast three days to get myself back into that place. But the reality is his father made a way before the foundations of the earth and before I ever got here. Are you with me now? That means he factored in every mistake that I would ever commit, yet he still chose me to be a preacher of the gospel. Not because of my strength, not because of my goodness, but because it was his eternal plan, the whole purpose. Man, I feel feel the Lord in this room, and I can't do it justice to communicate it. But it is always, Paul said it has always been the eternal plan of the Father. 
It has always been before any of the foundation. And it, and, and it is his perfect pleasure to create this dance, this, parachor, this parachoresis, this dance between him, the Father, Son, and invite me into that level of relationship. This is what he's inviting the disciples to come see. They're not asking you, where is your address? They're asking you, show me where you are living in that union because that's what's going to change my life. Now, you all right? So, so if, if adoption, there's so many thoughts just flooding my mind. So if the adoption, us being adopted into the family of God is the eternal point. So that means creation is the beginning and the first step of this unfolding plan. Adam was never plan B. He failed. And all of heaven gasped. Yes, he did fall. And yes, there was a catastrophic events that took place in the fall of Adam. So let's look at this a little bit. When we talk about Adam and Eve being created in the garden, you got to understand that the Bible says they was naked and not ashamed, but if you read Psalms 8, they were clothed in the glory of God. Adam and Eve were baptized in assurance let me say this anytime assurance gets shaky in your life that is where depression and anxiety starts coming from it will cause us to shut down it will cause us not to live in the dance of the perichoresia we will live at a place of uh, of, of hiddenness and we don't want to we won't want to truly be known because because what has taken place is assurance is being rocked in our life you take a little child that's five years old if they believe a monster's inside their room they, they listen they don't fall when they see the monster they fail when they believe the monster was real and what happens, it will lead them not to go out of, uh, to begin to discover the other parts of the house and the other parts of their room because they're shut down because they believe the monster's real. So here's the thing. Adam and Eve were baptized in assurance. They had complete fellowship with God. Are you with me now? They walked in the cool of the day with God. They were fully alive. And, and God was, God, they were inside the perichoresia with, with the Father. But what happened is the Bible says that there was something else in the garden called the serpent. And he was more cunning and crafty than any other beast in the garden. And he starts coming up to Eve and he starts bringing suggestions. Are you with me now? He brings this suggestion and he begins to speak to her and he says, You know, God said, you know, half God said, I ain't got time to break all this down, but I just want to stick to the points I want to bring out today. Hath God said, because God told them that they could have everything in the garden, stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is what most of the church feeds from. It does not feed from the tree of life. It, free, it feeds from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of good will kill you just as much as the knowledge of evil. Are you with me now? So God, the enemy comes up to Eve and he gets her to bite into this lie. What he begins is to portray God not as a good father but as a withholder. He makes her feel incomplete. You're not complete. She was totally complete. Are you with me now? So he makes he paints this view of the father as a taker and not a giver, as a withholder, not not a provider. And this lie begins to enter inside of her and what happens is is it penetrates the baptism of assurance of where she lives. So, I mean, let's just break this down in our own life. If you, are, if you live in the baptism of assurance that God is 100% for you, that you are 100% saved going on your way to heaven, you would never walk in fear. You would, I'm not saying we wouldn't encounter fear, but it would not point us into the direction of full-blown anxiety. Because I've been on a journey. Now, I've been asking the Father, you know, where, where are the lies? Where are things in me that are not true that, that I believe about you, but they're not, they're not true? So it is in the fall. The, the fall did not happen when Eve bit of the fruit. The fall happened when she embraced the lie. The eating of the fruit was the first fruit of believing that lie. Are you with me? So now they, 
now they fall. Now God shows up in His goodness and His splendor. Now He wants to have fellowship with man. Genesis 3.8 says when God showed up, that Adam went and hid himself and they hid in the bushes and covered themselves with fig leaves because they was afraid of God. Was this the was this the was this the fear that God was angry? Come on. Like Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon that sinners in the hand of an angry God. Was this, do you think the fear inside of Adam come from because he saw God as a punisher? I would suggest you the fear came from when he saw the allness of God in that place. He was, he was exposed to his own depravity and that's what moved him into fear and shame. Now, from this fall, something that Paul writes in the book of Romans, by one man's offense, death entered into the earth. Now, sin is, a, is people, you know, the church wants to preach against all different types of sin as, as a verb of all these things that we do wrong. Here's the ultimate deal. Sin is the disease or the depravity that came from Adam and it has been injected into the human race. Because you ask people, how many sins do you got to commit to be a sinner? They'll say one. That's the wrong answer. The, 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 how many sins do you got to commit to be a sinner is zero. You're born into sin. David said this in Psalms 51. I was born and shapen in iniquity. Why? Because of what Adam did. Adam blew it. Now, I was going to actually get some other glasses and paint something up, but when Adam sinned, it caused us as humanity now to see God through those lenses. So now, when trouble hits... The first thing we examine is how many sins and messed ups we've had in our life because that's the reason why we're struggling. Come on, y'all. Nah. This has showed up because of something I've done wrong. What we must understand in this room is that life hits everyone. It rains on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to good people that I can't explain. And the problem we have ourselves in today is because we can't explain it, we come up with a theology to try to explain it. Therefore, we overcorrected the car and led the church into the ditch on the right side when we should have just... Uh, uh, Lamentations 3.28 in the message says this. It says this, When life comes at you hard, go to a secret place. Get along. Pray. And I love the way it closes that verse. The worst is never the worst. But here's the thing. Bad things happen to good people. We have the promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us. That is where the soul must be anchored. If we're not, that is being baptized in assurance. So Adam falls. When he falls, he puts his own depravity and his own projections of himself, now he places that on God. Y'all right. There's a long way to go in this. I'm just trying to lay a foundation while I want to talk about it. Like Perry Stone, it takes him an hour and a half to set up a foundation. Then he preaches for another hour and a half. I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm just trying to take us down the journey. So now we begin to see this. When I read the works of Brendan Manning, the Catholic priest, he said we cannot... We cannot project our own feelings about ourselves onto God as if God feels about me the way I feel about myself. Because if God felt about me the way I feel about myself, sometimes he would be depressed. I always said it like this. I'll never forget listening to Bishop Bill Hammond teach on prophecy. And he said they were training people how to prophesy. And he said that they were in this church and this lady was prophesying and she prophesied over this other person and she said this, hear me, Seth God, I know things are tough. I know things are hard. But hear me, Seth God, I'm barely making it myself. That is not a true prophetic word. God is not. He ain't never been a day where he was barely making it. The word, the word holy means other. So every time you tell God he's holy, even our perception of when we say God is holy, when we tell the church God is holy, the first image that comes into your mind is he's a judge sitting on the throne and he's so holy that he will not accept you if anything's wrong in your life. 
The word holy means other. That means if you broke, he's other. If you sick, that means he's other. Come on, somebody. If you depressed, that means he's other. He's the total opposite of what you are. Now, so Adam falls in the garden. He creates this lens by which we see life. Now, things are jacked up. Let's go on. Listen to this. What God says is one thing, but what we hear is quite another. I'm going to say this again. What God says is one thing, but what we hear is quite another. For what we hear is, in, in, is inevitably shaped by our own anxiety and by our own mythology, mythology by the legendary God of our anxious imaginations. I'll say this again. What God says is one thing, but what we hear is quite another. Because everything that God said is going to the filter of your lenses. Are you with me? Y'all all right? We got just a little bit long on the flight. Look at your neighbor and say, sit back, calm down. All right, listen to this. We ain't even hit no turbulence yet. I'm going to give you the warning for the turbulence. You have to be careful, man. People's all at one other thing. Matt will never forget this. We were in Douglas, Georgia. This may be close to, I don't know, 15 years ago. And I was preaching. I got on the rapture of the church. And because I didn't believe in the rapture of the church the way they believed in the rapture of the church, and I started saying things about the rapture of the church, this one man stood up and said, you cannot possibly know that. I told Matt, I said, listen, you go ahead and crank the truck. Be waiting on because we close out this one here. And I said, get both pistols and lay them on the console. We ought to fight our way out of here. Because religion had told him that God's coming in this heavenly helicopter to come rescue us out. We made whole theologies in the church over one portion of Scripture in the Bible where he talks about the snatching away. I'm not looking to be snatched away. I'm looking for God to invade the earth. It's a total different philosophy. All right. We're trying to get out of the earth, and God's trying to get in the earth. God's trying to get in you. He's trying to roam about inside our life. And we got him in a cage with all this stuff that we believed about him. What God says and what we hear is quite another. For what, for what we hear is inevitably shaped. Listen to this. It goes by, I could preach forever on here. You see in the Bible what you're prepared to see. If you was raised in a certain denomination that believed in sensationalism, that means the gifts of God are no longer for today. You go right over that. You're reading what you are prepared to see. So it, there's no doubt what we hear and what it is shaped by our own beliefs. The revelation of God to us, irrespective of how powerful and clear it may be, from God's side, it is always perceived through our mental glasses. So in other words, what are we dealing with? What did I tell you that was in, injected into humanity is the depravity that Adam allowed when he fell into sin. So this edemic nature which is what the book of Romans is dealing with when it talks about sin. It ain't talking about somebody going to a cat house on 1 o'clock in the morning. It is talking about the sin nature of man. You with me? All right. Let's go a little bit further. So God, in His pursuit, He starts this. If, if the pursuit of God... From the beginning that we've established out of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul said, from, the, from before the foundation of the earth, God chose that he was going to adopt me. You with me? I was handpicked, chosen. Before Adam ever was in the garden, before anything that is seen that the Hubble telescope can pick up, God already established this. There's going to be a paracresia, me, son, Holy Spirit, and I'm going to choose John. He's going to be in, the, he's going to be in that. And the first step to that process was creation, right? So Adam's in this picture. Now Adam falls, sin enters into the earth, so God has to come down and establish relationship with people, like Noah, who finds grace in the sight of God. I ain't got time to go through all of this. But Noah builds a boat, listen, with three levels, right? Because Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. The old covenant is prophesying of this 
God that's going to come down and dwell with us. Come on, y'all. Y'all all right? So he, he, it's got three levels, the way, the truth, and the light. There's one window. Come on, are you with me now? Not like the Noah's Ark that we got hanging in the nurseries where giraffes hanging out one, cats is looking at one. No, there was one window. Come on, there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ. So he establishes a relationship with Noah who finds grace in the sight of God, and Noah gets on the boat with animals and eight people to start a whole new generation on the earth. Are you with me now? Because God is about to make an exodus out of the failure of Adam into the garden. So he comes and visits a man by the name of Abraham and establishes him as the father of faith because he's trying to create a whole nation of people which will be a prophetic picture of the church in the earth. Come on, somebody. So Jesse Duplantis said all of that stuff that you hear about, uh, that you hear about Peter welcoming you into the pearly gates, he said, that is not who welcomed me. He said, it was the father of faith, Abraham, who welcomed me into the pearly gates because it is by faith that we are saved. Come on, somebody. It is grace alone, not man's works, lest any man should boast. He said there was only one person he saw with a crown on his head beside Jesus, and that was King David. And he said, there was people there that you thought would have never been there. And he asked the angel, how are they here? Said they would answer this question. The Lord God Jehovah is merciful. We heard that in the church. We heard the Lord God Jehovah is a judge. Come on. And then so when you start trailing down this trail, people begin to stand and say, well, if you really preach that, if you preach that the way it is, people will go do whatever they're going to do. Listen to this. If you go do live the way you want to live, you don't even know God. I'll establish that right now. If you, it's in your heart to live the way you want to to live for yourself, you don't even know God. So I'm not even... So he established a relationship with Abraham, calls him the father of faith, and through him Israel's going to be birthed. There's going to become 12 tribes which will build a whole nation of people. Are you with me now? Through this that God will now call, raise up a man by the name of Moses. I thought I had this thought of Texas to Junior, I think yesterday or Friday. Ain't it funny how Adam hid in the bush but God appears in a burning bush to Moses. He begins to burn away the facade of what Moses thought he is, was, and everything. And he appears into that burning bush to speak to this man about leading his nation out of Egyptian bondage. Come on, y'all right? So Moses, he, he begins to deal with Moses. And now through Moses, he instructs something called the law in Exodus 19. Because they would not enter into this relationship. When God showed up on the mountain, they saw the thunderings, the smoke. They saw the glory of God descending in that place. And there the fear of the endemic nature shows up again. They run and hide and say, Moses, you go up into that mountain. And whatever Yahweh demands, we shall do it. That's when Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments. But it was never about the law it was all about relationship God saying man these knuckleheads I mean I got to deal with them through the law but I really want to get to them it was in the heart of David that David rose up in that covenant under the Mosaic law where the priest had one interest to the temple of year come on to meet with God it was in that that David peered in come on Psalms 22 he sees Christ on the cross and as he peers into that he said I never it was never about the blood of bulls and goats that God ever wanted it is about the sacrifice of the praises of men that he is after and David constructs this temple that was totally against the law in his day So now God is in there. He's Now notice this. God is not living from a distance with Israel. He's with them. He's with them. The cloud by day and the smoke by, I mean, and, and the fire by night. He's living inside an ark. Which was a prophetic picture of when Jesus goes and settles it as the last Adam, I will never live in a box again. Because it is not man's, it is not temple made with man's hands that God dwells in. Know ye not, ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. His whole plan was the perichoresia. I'm fixing to get in you and you and me, and we're gonna join this great dance. God, I feel the Lord in this place. In the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my failure, in the midst of my non-understanding, in the midst of everything, God says, I've chosen to include you in the dance. So he has this relationship. He's coming down. I mean, he's getting involved with the affairs of men and our broken depravity. 
and we're still projecting those edemic lenses onto the Father. Y'all right? So in this relationship, God introduces covenant, faithfulness, atonement, sin, mercy, community, prophet, priest, and king, all of which would become the the furniture of the pieces that would establish our view of God, our knowledge of God. Now, y'all all right? I'm almost done. I can't, man, this is, this, you can't set this up right here, this little bit of time right here. I'm throwing you something that we could be, we could be mining out for days. Look at this. Let's read John chapter 1. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. In light of what I'm talking about, look at this. I'm telling you right now, Jesus did not come to satisfy the anger of God in the Old Testament. That's not true. Jesus did not come to fulfill His Father's appetite of anger towards sin. God was committed from the beginning. Did we not establish that? That He was going to have us at any cost. Now look at this out of where John starts writing. This is in John chapter 1. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. Here's the paracrisium from the very beginning. Before Adam was ever was, before Earth, Mars, Pluto, the living expression was there. Y'all right? Have you ever read the book of Job? Which, by the way, Job is not at the beginning of your Bible, but most theologians believe that Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Job talks about the creation standpoint. He says, as the morning stars sang together, God started creating. Did he not? Job 36, I believe it is. It may be chapter 38. But it's, as the morning stars sang together, the Father started creating. So what happens is you got to understand, the Father has a thought. He's the initiator. The Word begins to communicate the thought, which is Jesus. Then the Creator is the Holy Ghost that starts creating. So the Father initiates the thought. The Word speaks the thought, and the Holy Ghost creates the thought. So this is how creation was going. Lucifer. Lucifer was the worship leader of heaven. That old devil, come on, the serpent, Leviathan, before the fall. So that tells me this. Man, in David's account of Psalms 22, he starts talking about, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Father never forsook Jesus, not one time, not even on the cross. I'll show you that in just a second. But he talks about, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But then he goes in and talks about he'll trust. This is David seeing the account of the cross in Psalms 22. But he said this, I know that thou thou art inhabited in the praises of your people. Psalms 22 verse 3. So that means, that tells me that little nugget I just gave you, that every time we come in this room, and we start worshiping, declaring who God is. Creativity happens all over the room. It is impossible for us to worship that God don't start moving and creating. You believe that? Who in here would say that I've been having problems in my stomach, like ulcers in the stomach? Is that anybody in this room? Anybody in the room? All you got to do is raise your hand. You got ulcers in your stomach? Huh? Is there anybody else? You've been having recently problem with ulcers in your stomach. Huh? See, while we were in worship, the, when I, I started praying in tongues just for a moment, when I heard myself pray in tongues, I heard the Lord say, I want to heal someone with ulcers in their stomach. So that's you. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we declare him healed right now. I don't have to wonder if God's going to heal him. God has already healed him. And the fact that he revealed it in worship means that it's done. Come on, somebody. Every time we worship, God starts creating. Just stretch hands. Father, we declare that never come back right now in the name of Jesus. That shall never come back upon him in the name of Jesus. And we thank you. Lord, we thank you for encouraging the people with a faith sign right here before their eyes. That as we worshiped you this morning, you come down and you create a whole brand new stomach lining in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. All right. So let's look at this. In John chapter 1. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. Look at this. They were together face to face in the very beginning. This paracrisia. 
There's never a jealous moment between them. They all live to serve one another. Jesse Duplantis said this. He said it didn't matter what rank. And he said there's no doubt when you get to heaven, you will see who the patriarchs are. He said they bear stripes and bars just like a general on the earth. He said, I'm telling you right now, he said King David got more bars and stripes on him than, I mean, a prison cell. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's the man. You with me? But you know what he said? That everyone seeks to serve the other. And he looked and said this. He said, we're all servants here, Jesse. This is in the Paracoresia. The living expression, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Are you with me? They were together face to face in the very beginning. And though his creative inspiration, and through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. What? He made all things. For nothing has existence apart from Him. Life came into being because of Him. For, for, for His life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through the gloom. The light, the darkness could not diminish. Then suddenly a man appeared who was sent from God. Look at this. God has established a relationship through Noah, a man named Abraham, Moses to give the law. He introduced covenant, family, priest, king, prophet. Now he himself is about to arrive in the earth. Jesus' mission was to take fallen, edemic nature and bring them to the right hand of the Father back in restoration of the Paracoresia. Man, I, I don't know if I'm... I don't know if you're getting this. This is why Paul said, yet he descended, what, into Sheol. And he yet ascended. When he ascended, we went with him. Come on, somebody. And we sat down at the right hand of the Father to restore this relationship. But you will never live in this until you see, until you have divine revelation of what Christ has already done for you. Now let me say this. The world was in him when he went to the cross. That doesn't mean everybody's saved. It means everybody has the potential to be saved, but you must recognize what's done for you. This is why I spent my whole time with Mitch Griffin on Wednesday night, not to bring exposure to Mitch's ministry, although I thank God we've been, we've been able to help each other. But my whole deal is to get, because the church only knows when they get saved to take someone down the Romans road. We're trying not to take you down the Romans road and drop you off. We're trying to tell you what happened when you got saved. Because if you realize you was transformed out of darkness into light, you will start living like light. But if you believe the lie that religion, well, we just old sinners saved by grace. Man, come on, don't bring that up in my house. We will throw hands. That is baloney. The Romans road. We all fall short. Finish, the, finish it. Romans 3, 23 and 6, 23. In Romans 8, 9 and 10, we've all fell short of the glory. That means God destined you for glory. What he was saying is we fell short of that glory. So the last Adam enters back into the earth realm. Come on, this is what John's saying. It's time for the living expression to come. Jesus was not like the Father. He was the Father. Come on, somebody. Jesus was the mirror image of the Father. So whatever you believe about God that you can't find in the life of Jesus, you have to begin to question. But I grew up my whole time down here in the South. What we want is folks to take a shower outside before they come in. Think about people that don't know God. I'm talking about just rough rank sinners. They walk into buildings like this. I hope the building's going to stay up. Why would the building collapse? If it ain't collapsed on us, it ain't going to collapse. Come on, somebody. I made a decision. It don't matter how many times I failed, how many times I got problems. I realized this. Father's opened the door for me to dance in the Paracoresia. Are you with me? And I'm, I'm showing up. Listen, I've been dancing with this one for over 22 years, and he's been a great dance partner. Are you with me now? But he's unveiling my eyes to the more depths of his heart, and I'm headed down that road. 
because I've seen where we try to take people down the Romans road and we try to introduce them to law and legalism. Man, we lived for 20 years in ministry being convicted on Sunday morning because we wasn't here preaching the glorious gospel. God didn't die so that I could become a preacher. He died so that I could become a son and be a part of the perichoresia. I used to wouldn't hunt or fish on Sunday. We couldn't fish on Sunday. Where's that in the Bible? Then I realized, you know what? God loves fellowshipping with me, doing what I love to do. I remember Cliff Miles used to be on the golf course. He'd be praying in tongues, teeing it up. Drive it down the fairway. He had everybody else who wasn't saved. They were trying to speak in tongues because they were hitting in the woods, the ditches, and the ponds, and everything else. Was he not? I, don't, I believe in the value of God's house. But there's something. Listen, we must value the paracrit, the relationship. This is what God. What does it matter if you attend church every Sunday, but you're totally unaware of a dance that's happened seven days a week, and you never take part in the dance? What makes this effective is that you've been in the dance. Come on, I'm going to turn some God brutes on here. We can't miss the dance. It's about the dance. You can't miss the purpose of it. I can tell you right now with full assurance, Jesus did not go to the cross to establish what we call the church in South Georgia. He did not come to establish a religion called Christianity. He come to establish a pathway back to the heart of the Father so that you and I could be in the dance. Oh, my God. Listen to this. We got to finish this up right here. All right. Listen to this. Suddenly a man appeared who was sent from God, a messenger named John. For he came to witness to point the way to the light of life and to help everyone believe. John was not the light, but he came to show us who, who is. For he was merely a messenger to speak the truth about the light. For the light of truth was about to come into the world and shine upon everyone. He entered into the world. He entered into the very world he created. Look at this. God the Father saying bulls, lambs, the law, every time they reject me. And the only way I'm going to ever return back to who I was in the original state of the garden is I got to deal with the glasses in which this endemic nature is wearing. You with me? I got it because it's the brush stroke is so broad, I will never be who I'll never be really be who I was. So I got to come back down. Now, let's let's look at this because you got to see this. This is a word right here that's in the King James, but I'm gonna quote it out of here, but I'll quote it again in the King James. For the light of truth was about to come into the world and shine upon everyone. Who? Who was it? Was it going to shine on the Methodists or the Baptists? Was it, was it shining on the Church of God, the Four Square, Nazarene, Tangerine, or who was it shining? It was shining on everyone. Everybody. Everybody. Here's another thing we must realize right now. Acts 2.28 says God is coming in the last days to pour His Spirit out on all flesh. That don't just mean that don't just mean Christian flesh. He is coming to pour his spirit out on all flesh. Folk that don't believe like you, don't look like you, don't act like you, don't talk like you, all flesh. And we must raise the church up to a level of maturity to realize that in the broken state, God is on them. Help them to recognize just because they do some sins that you don't agree with. Don't get me sideways up in him. We can preach about some sins, but we overlook other sins. If you're talking about folks, it is still sin. Oh, let me quit. Y'all, we can't, we don't want to do that. Let's, let's quit. He came to the very people he created, those who should have recognized him, but they did not receive him. Look at this. But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become the children of God. He was not born by joining of human parents uh, or from some natural means or by man's desire, but he was born of God. Look at this. And so the living expression became a man. Here we are, verse 14. And so the living expression became a man and lived among us. The King James says that the word became Flesh. This word flesh is different than just becoming a human. 
This word flesh goes all the way back to the garden where the flesh man went down. When Jesus said, I became flesh, he said, this is, this is exactly what he said. I went all the way back and picked Adam up and put him on. But I did not live with his mentality or look through his lenses at any point in my life. God, you got to see this. So when Jesus is on the cross and he's saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is the edemic nature of Adam crying out from his flesh saying, God, you have forsaken me. But Jesus pulls it right back. I feel God up in this room. Jesus pulls it right back down into that baptism of assurance and says, but Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. And when he said that, boom, Adam was dead. Golly, I can't, I can't go through all this with y'all. I just want to run through the wall. So when Adam died, we died. We were with him. This is what baptism is. Baptism is not a public confession of faith. Baptism is a prophetic sign that you go under a dead man and are alive in God. The incarnate word becomes flesh starts living among us in this fallen nature but yet lives in obedience to his father you got to think so when Jesus is crying out in the garden of Gethsemane in John 17 he's not sweating because he's fixing to die Jesus came in earth to die he was on the mission from his father and he knew that he would give his life what he did not want to happen and what his sweat became drops of blood is because he did not want that, that mindset to ever be portrayed on his body. The mindset that says, you will never be good enough, Father. You held out on me. You did not complete me, God. You're a withholder, not a giver. So Jesus has to sweat this thing out in the garden till he solidifies within himself that I'm the God man on the earth became flesh because I'm the last Adam they will ever be the Bible doesn't say he's the second Adam it says he's the last Adam and this new Adam when he goes into Sheol and he ascends to the Father he ascends with us with him to create this place of paracresia so do Pastor John I mean I, I hear what you're saying I mean I hear, I hear what you're saying help me out in my life I mean help me out this, this is all good that's really good you know but I mean, uh, how does this go? How's this paracresia going to help me out on Monday morning? Because it's what me and Pastor Mitch has been telling you. Because the, the endemic thoughts are going to come to your mind that God's never going to be good enough. He's never going to pull through. When I started having anxiety attacks and thought I was having a heart attack, even though they've gotten better, but I can tell you this, they still howl sometimes. You know what I'm saying? They still howl sometimes. It's an absolute lie. There is no sign that is medically given that there could be something wrong with my heart. If that was the case, the workout that we did yesterday would have killed me. There is no sign of anything wrong with my heart. But that voice is coming to shake that foundation of assurance that Father's got me. But if I had true baptism of assurance... This is what, let me tell you this, this and this is what I tell my wife because the woes, because they come to everybody. And maybe if I tell you our own stuff, it'll give you faith to believe that we don't live in some type of concrete vault. Let me tell you this, she's like, you know what, well, because the crowd will drop off one week or, 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 or you know, we get the, the thoughts come to you going down. Let me tell you the full assurance where I know I'm not going down. I never one time asked to come here. God led me here. And if God led me here, he'd be the only one that can remove me from here. There ain't no devil, no demon, no, 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 no artillery, no army that can come down the street to do anything. Whatever God gives me through honor will always be protected by his favor. I don't have to wake up and worry about it. This is the same way with your life, friend, I'm telling you. You say, Pastor John, you don't understand what's going on in my life. Friend, if you knew how much God loved you, God has never once caused any turmoil in your life to try to drive you somewhere. He doesn't drive us nowhere. He woos us. He says, come on. I, well, Pastor, you ain't never read Acts chapter 9. I have read Acts chapter 9. 
I have read Acts chapter 9. But I cannot find in the four gospels where Jesus throwed a hammer and knocked somebody down to get their attention. The only place he was frustrated was inside the church where the leaders were standing at the door holding people away with rules and regulations. He said, tax collectors and murderers are entering into the kingdom way faster than you. And you stand up the door. You yourself won't go in, but you prevent people from getting in. What if we just told all of humanity the walls have come down and the paracoresia is available for you to get inside the dance with your stuff? Then I can tell you this. We wouldn't have to counsel it out of them. When they get in the presence of God, the Holy Ghost will bring it out of them. My job is to catch the fish and throw him in the live well. When I'm fishing and we throw fish into the live well, it is not my job to keep the fish alive. It's the live well's job and the, and the water circulating in the live well to keep the fish alive. You know what? Our job is to throw the hook out and tell you, listen, the walls have come down. There ain't no walls. When Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says God was inside of him reconciling the world back to himself, not counting their sins against them. Why is the church still counting people's faults and failures against them when Jesus modeled he wasn't causing or counting their sins against them. I got to quit. Just because we're running out of time. So, Jesus becomes flesh. When he becomes flesh, he ties me all the way back to Adam. Adam cries out on the cross because of the darkness and because the sun's refusing to shine. And because of the turmoil, Adam starts, that endemic nature starts screaming, why have you forsaken me? But the God-man rises up and says, Father, I trust you. Into your hands I commit my spirit, whatever the outcome is. Man, have you ever read Fox's Book of the Martyrs, how some of these people died? One man was skin alive in Calcutta, India. Skin alive. And he ran to be skint. And as he was running to have his flesh removed from his body, he said, please, please help me remove myself from this outer tabernacle that I may live in divine union with him. And we can't even get people to come to service in the south. It's because we're totally unaware of the paracresia and the divine love that he has for us. Friend, I could give an altar call and say, come up here and meet me and lead you down the Romans road. But let me tell you what to change your life. You bow your head and say, Father, I realize what you've done for me. And I accept it to the fullest. Holy Spirit, come invade my life. And friend, I promise you, if you pray that prayer and you mean it with your heart, God will invade your life and your life will be forever changed. Raise your hands. I want to pray over you. Father, we love you, Jesus. Come on, don't be in a hurry. Just for 30 seconds, just think about his goodness. Father, we love you. Oh, God, we love you, Jesus. Father, invade my heart with more light, more love, and more of your glory. I want to be in the dance. I want to be in the dance. I don't want to miss the dance. That's what it's always been about, Father, is the dance. It's never been about church attendance. It's never been about any of this. It's been about the dance. Lord, invite us into that dance. Let us lock hands with you like children. Look at me right here. Jesse said he saw Jesus and said that when Jesus was in heaven, said he was walking away, he said there was this great auditorium. This great auditorium. She says a massive auditorium outside. He said Jesus was headed to get there and he said, come on, Jesse. He said, we're going to hear the children sing. And he said, I never miss hearing the children sing. There was children that had gone to be with the Lord. Some aborted, some whatever reason. 
And the children would get up and they would sing praises. And he said, all the angelic host of heaven was in shock at their song. He said, I never missed the children sing. Friend, I'm telling you, heaven is not some thing that we thought about from a religious standpoint. But it's a real place. It's more real than the world that you and I live in. And those that have gone before us, they're not, they, don't have a, they don't have a watch on their hand. Jesse said that the Father's throne was at least 1,500 miles wide. And they said there's no part that you cannot see the Father. There's no part that you cannot see the Father. For His radius is nonstop. And Jesse said the closer you get to it, there's a roar that you can't even comprehend. And he said it's just the light that is emanating from the Father. The glory. You think about that. Yet that Father made a plan so that you and I could be in that dance. Friend, He loves you with a great passion. If I could tell you anything on Father's Day this year is you got a father that's 100% for you. It don't matter how bad your natural dad fell. I father, I've got three boys. There's days that I do it great and there's days that I don't. But the father will never mess up. He's 100% perfect. Father, I pray your great blessings over these people today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I've done my best to communicate with a little bit of limited registered that I have. I've done my best to communicate your great love for us about the dance. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes even greater as the days go on about the great dance and let us get in that circle and dance in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you all. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Don't forget on the July the 4th service, get the word out. July the 4th service, that Sunday morning we're going to go online only. So uh, that's going to be a pre-record too because I mean, we're going to be on the water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you all. We'll see you here next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.